Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Episode 37, Pride. Hi there, and welcome to the Dublin Story Slam podcast. If you haven't been before, the Dublin Story Slam is an open mic storytelling night that takes place in the heart of Dublin. And at each show, we invite members of the audience, usually people who have maybe never been on a stage before, who have never told the story before, but we invite them to get up on stage and share a personal true story. At the end of the evening, we vote for a winner who becomes our Story Slam champion, who then goes on to take part in our Grand Slam Championship, usually in the Abbey Theatre uh, here in Dublin. So that is a Dublin Story Slam, but this is the Dublin Story Slam podcast and that's where we take some of our favourite stories. These are stories that didn't win on the night but that we still loved and are delighted to be able to share with you. So on this episode of the podcast we're going to be bringing you three Pride-inspired stories. This is the Dublin Story Slam podcast. So it is Pride weekend, depending on when you're listening to this, and we thought it might be nice to share some stories from our LGBTQ plus friends that have been told over the last few months on stage at the Dublin Story Slam. And these are stories that are all about celebrating Pride, but I think they're there for everybody to enjoy. So we'll have a story that is about a uh, the awkwardness, the tension-filled moments uh, that can accompany a uh, first move. Uh, we'll have a story about coming out for the very first time. And then we'll finish with a really triumphant story about basically being in the front seat to Ireland's historic same-sex marriage referendum back in 2015. So, let's not waste a minute and get on with the stories. Our very first story comes from Marianne Peltret, who is originally from France, so hopefully I'm pronouncing her surname correctly. Uh, but Marianne now calls Dublin home, and Marianne is a scientist, but she got up and told this story on the theme of when the theme of the night was firsts. And this was a brilliantly told story because Marianne has got a really infectious uh, energy that just brings you along with her. So this is Marion Peltre. And this happened three weeks ago, so it's really new. Um, so I discovered uh, not not a long time ago that um, I was actually into girls. So I'm I'm getting back to you. Anne-Marie, sorry, it resonated a lot, uh, your story. 
Um, so I was always really bad at dating and flirting, like really bad. Like no one, like I would read no signs. Like it's just, no, no, that is never for me. I'm just, I've always been like, even with guys, I've always been like one of the lads. Like it was never, it could never be an, uh, another thing. So um, when I discovered I was opening up my uh, area, um, that was just before I moved back to Dublin. So then I was like, okay, that's going to be amazing. I'm going to come back to Dublin, new person. It's going to be amazing, like loads of new experiences. And I joined um, LGBTQAI plus rugby team uh, three weeks ago. They are trying to uh, build a women's team. So if anybody is interested in playing rugby, just come talk to me at the end. <laughs> um, so I went to the first training, um, and obviously it's so only women and all of them uh, queer. And it was just really new for me to be in this community. And I kind of spotted that girl. And I was like, okay. Like, yeah, I, I could see, yeah, she sounds nice, good fun. Okay, but didn't really do anything with it. Just at the end, like we were all new. We, none of them knew each other. So it was like literally a new group kind of uh, building together. So at the end, I kind of stayed a bit behind and just tried to, you know, just start the conversation one and one, but then just went home and nothing happened. The week after I arrived to training, she wasn't there. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake, she only came for one training. Okay, but then like we started the warm-up and then I, I saw her arriving, like running late. I was like, <laughs> so um, kind of had like a few uh, jokes during the training and, and then at the end I knew she was living around the corner so I knew she was living not too far from my place she had said it like uh, during the training and so when we were about to leave uh, it was like really cold and I remember being like oh my god I just really hope I, I warm up when I walk back home you know like really insisting on the fact that I was walking back home like so she was like oh my god are you walking home I was like yeah yeah I am yeah I'm just like, how long do you have to walk I was like ah 30 minutes it'd be grand she's like come on I'll give you a lift I was like ah no it's okay she's like come on okay <laughs> so I jumped in the car and like not knowing what I was going to do because obviously I'm shot at this. So I was like, I sat down in the car and I was like, and now what? <laughs> like, what are you going to do now? So anyway, we, we drive and we're just chatting. And then we arrive uh, outside my apartment. She, she parked the car and then we just started like, just chatting away, chatting away. And I could feel like, so I'm obviously interested. I think it's quite clear at that stage. But my brain is like, she's not interested. Like, she's literally just sitting there, giving you a lift, like, chatting with you. It's like 9.30 in the evening on a Monday, but she's not interested. So we just chat, we chat, we chat. And, like, we sat there for, like, four hours. <laughs> I tried to leave the car twice. And when I say I tried to leave the car, I was like, I might go. And just kept going. Like, she didn't even have to say, no, stay. Like, it was just ridiculous. And no, I never invited her for tea. No. Because I was like, if I do that, she'll think I'm interested, but maybe she's not interested, so I should not be doing that because, like, ah, duh, awkward, nah. So four hours later, I was like, okay, it's getting really late. I'm really tired. Thanks for the lift. Bye. And I just go... <laughs> And I just go and just go to bed, and I was like, oh my god, you just 
useless. <laughs> so anyway, during those four hours, we go into like loads of like really deep details about ourselves, about like us coming out and all of that. So she knows that it's all new for me. And she also tells me, I'm really bad at texting. I was like, okay, fair enough. And then the day after, we text for like the entire day, like non-stop. Like just, I was like, she said she was bad at texting. But anyway, still at the end of the day, I'm like, nah. Tuesday, like on the Wednesday, same again, just takes all day. Hmm. Thursday, same again. And then on Thursday evening, she was like, okay, I had a really bad day. Um, I'm going to get myself a McFlurry. You're coming with me. And I was actually texting a friend at that time, and I was telling her what had happened on the Monday. And she was like, so now what's going on? And I was like, I don't know. She just said she wanted to, to bring me getting a McFlurry. I have no idea what's going to happen. And I was literally like, what do I do? So we go get a McFlurry. And again, sit in the car for an hour. <laughs> and like, I, same again. Like, I could feel, I'm like, oh, I don't know. Like, it's like my body knows, but my brain is like, shut up. So it's just, and then at some stage, the two of us are like, I really need to pee. I was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> and I was like, um, maybe you should come pee in my apartment. <laughs> Best pickup line ever. <laughs> so we go back to my place. This time we get out of the car, we go in the apartment, we, we go to pee, and then we sit on the couch. And I swear, we, it's, it's going like this for another hour, just chatting on the couch. It's just ridiculous. And she starts like, getting closer and closer, and I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. <laughs> and then she starts just like, you know, you, you start to be like a bit like touchy, and, and then she starts tickling me. She realizes that it's like, really, I'm really sensitive to that. So she literally has her face here. <laughs> and then I'm like, maybe I should kiss her. <laughs> So that's why, like, yeah, I made the first move. Like, I'm the one who kissed her. <laughs> Thank you. That was Marion there with a story, I suppose, that's about reading the signs and making the first move eventually. The rugby club that Marion mentioned is called the Emerald Warriors and it's Ireland's first LGBTQ plus inclusive rugby team. So if you head over to Instagram, you'll find them at Emerald Warriors. And if you scroll down, you'll spot a beautiful shot of Marion surrounded by all of her teammates running towards the camera in uh, blue jerseys. And it's just a brilliant action shot. And the tagline, I love it, is it's called Try With Pride. So uh, it's just gorgeous. Thank you, Marion, for for sharing your story with us. Okay, on to our next story. So, Everton Diaz is originally from Brazil, but he now lives in Dublin. And so he works in the area of recruitment and tech, but he also teaches workshops on diversity and inclusion to to organisations. So it's an issue that's very, very much at the heart of who Everton is. Um, Everton got up and told this story at the theme of the evening was Heroes and Villains. And so while I suppose it's a story about both, it's also really a story about family. So I think that's something that everybody can relate to. So here is Everton Diaz. My story has many villains and heroes. I'm actually from Brazil, living this beautiful island for the past nine years. I came here to learn English. Before that, I couldn't even say hi. Uh, But my story is about my coming out. Um, I was raised by my grandparents 
because when my mom and dad, uh, my mom got pregnant of me, she was only 15, and my dad was 16 at the time. My family was very religious, uh, both sides, and they were forced to marry. And obviously the relationship didn't last for so long. They were married for actually nine months. <laughs> After that, they got divorced and my mom went back to her mom's house. And my granddad said, you can go, but if you want to go, you stay here. That was me. I was raised by my grandparents, very conservative, raised in their religion. Uh, I was raised thinking I was going to hell. Uh, when I encountered my first villains, I was going to call it to, to the school and I was bullied, harassed by my voice, by my type, my, by my stereotype. And it was a very difficult time for me. I went to a very dark place. But I had also heroes in my life. I tried to my level best to suppress all these feelings, to asking God to change me all the time because I was thinking I was going to hell because I was raised in the church. And the, the thinking of going to hell for me was something very strong. I was very afraid. And I was trying, as I said, to suppress all these feelings and shining in other parts. I was being the best student, the best colleague in work. I managed to go to college. I picked psychology and I got a scholarship because my family couldn't afford and to try to understand a little bit myself. Uh, even though I was raised by my grandparents, I was going on holidays to my mom. Uh, even though we don't have a motherhood relationship, we are really good friends. But one day, family gathering, Mother's Day, <laughs> I couldn't pick a better day <laughs> to tell my family. <laughs> Uh, but at this time, I, I was virgin. I didn't know the word out of the church. Uh, family gatherings, you know, uncles, aunties, cousins. I was trying to avoid all the questions. Where is your girlfriend? Why you don't have a girlfriend? You are becoming older. I was hidden in my room, and my biological mom came to my room and ask me, uh, why, why are you doing there? Like, everybody's just, like, celebrating Mother's Day, everybody's chatting, everybody's outside, why are you doing here, it's sad. Then I don't know from where I got this trend. I just said to my mom, I think I'm not the son you want me to be. And she paused for one second, which for me was a year. <laughs> uh, she said, why? I said, uh, because I don't like girls. I like boys. Uh, even though I haven't tried anyone, but I know by heart. <laughs> I know by heart. I know my feelings. Uh, and the first question she asked me was, have you ever tried a girl? And I just replied back to her the same question. Have you ever tried a girl? Yeah. 
<laughs> and she said, no. I said, how do you know? <laughs> then she just uh, hugged me and gave me all the love that she could give me. But because we were in the room, uh, my family notes then came to my room, my grandmom, my granddad, and my biological dad. <laughs> and when they opened the door, they got my mom and me hugging and crying. And they didn't know what was going on. They just asked me what happened. Then I was thinking I was, being, I was going to be thrown out of the house. Then I, was start to t I start to tell my whole family, which was in my room, and putting my clothes in my backpack because I was thinking I'm going to be thrown out. Then I told my granddad, which, was, which raised me, I said, actually, I'm gay. And, and he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm putting my clothes in my bag. You're not putting me out. Then he said, no, if that's your choice. At the time, he thought it was a choice. Uh, if that's your choice, I'm supporting you. We are all love you. You're a brilliant son. Uh, we have nothing to say about you. We continue loving you the way you are. And that is my story. For my villains, um, my actually for my heroes, my gratitude and grace. And for my villains, I'm here. I exist and I won't be and I won't be going anywhere. Thank you. Everton Diaz there with such a warm, touching story about I suppose just, you know, that kind of fear of disappointing your family and then that joy when you realize that they just love you for who you are. So uh, it's a gorgeous story and so beautifully told. Thanks you so much to Everton for sharing that story. Um, on to our final story. Now, this brings us back to 2015 when Ireland was voting on whether to legalise same-sex marriage. Now, this was a really, I suppose, intensely fought campaign on both sides and it had attracted a lot of international attention because Ireland was the very first country in the world to decide on same-sex marriage by popular vote. So to take us back to that historic day uh, in May, our next storyteller is Dervila Quinn. And Dervila told the story at our very most recent Story Slam. It, the theme of the evening was a day to remember. And for Dervila and I suppose the rest of the country, it really was. Here is Dervila Quinn. Um, so my story kind of starts back when I was 14, which was the year I had two uh, realizations about myself. One of them was that I was bisexual, and the other was that I really liked politics. Now, one of these things was just really not cool at all, and definitely to be kept to yourself when I was a teenager. So, of course, I was um, openly bisexual, but kept the political interests in the closet <laughs> until I was in, in college, and that was a bit more um, main, of a mainstream pursuit. Um, <laughs> so, um, I remember I was living in Brussels um, in 2015, and um, the marriage equality referendum was announced, 
And I decided that um, this was some, a moment in Ireland that I just um, couldn't miss. I had to come home. So I decided to take a two-month leave of absence from my work in Brussels and come home to join the campaign. Um, so I, you know, dedicated my time to canvassing. I did... Um, went to various kind of nerdy political social events and it was this really exciting time of uh, kind of togetherness and people feeling like they were, you know, fighting for something really positive. Uh, a lot of politics is kind of about what you don't like and opposing things and, you know, as much as I do love a good protest and, you know, showing up to oppose something, uh, there is something a lot more, um, you know, fulfilling and motivating about fighting for something good um, that feels like it brings people together. Um, so. Um, I remember that um, I had been canvassing each night and most of the time would be fine, but you know, every now and again you'd have a negative door. Now there was one door that um, I remember, it, it, ha it was this elderly couple and they answered the door and I said, oh, you know, here from um, uh, Yes Equality. And uh, the guy at the door was just like, oh, God, no. And I was, and I was just, oh, my God, this is awful. Uh, but then he just suddenly breaks into a smile. He's like, no, no, I'm only messing with you. <laughs> uh, you there's, there's two yeses in this house. And as happy as I was, I really did think that, you know, the, the joke, I, I could have done without that one. <laughs> Um, but then I, I went to another door and I had a, a thoroughly, you know, genuinely negative experience. And it was the night before the referendum. And I remember this, um, this man said to me, you know, like, oh, you're all disgusting. And, and you know what? You're going to lose. And I just remember going home that night and just sitting on my couch, you know, um, kind of feeling very emotional. But I started going through... Uh, Twitter, and you guys all might remember possibly like the most um, profound internet day that's ever happened in Irish history, which was people on the home to vote hashtag taking pictures of themselves as they got the, the, the ferries and the trains and the planes back home to vote. And I was just sitting on the couch crying my eyes out, feeling like, you know, maybe this man wasn't right after all. And as I um, you know, looked at these stories and saw incredible, you know, stories of people, you know, driving five hours to collect strangers from the airport to get them to their, uh, you know, polling station on time and just uh, bawling my eyes out. I just thought about, you know, other, you know, the, the fact that um, kind of national pride often feels like something kind of exclusive. Like, I remember one of the things that had gotten me really interested in politics when I was younger was the citizenship referendum. But that was quite a negative thing because I felt, you know, that I was a bit ashamed of something that Ireland had voted for, that we were excluding people and that we kind of come together to shut people out. And it just made me feel like, you know, national identity was about closing doors and, you know, having an exclusive club that you didn't let people into. Um, but as I was reading the home to vote hashtag and, you know, seeing so many people... Uh, coming home, it just, it, it felt like the opposite. It was like, wow, you know, national pride and identity and being part of something and feeling Irish can feel like you're, you're, you're letting people in. And so I, I was feeling, you know, really positive. And I went to bed, I woke up, I went to vote with my family. Um, we all, you know, went to the polling station together, took our photo, posted it on Facebook. And then I just kind of felt like, this just sense of excitement and I thought okay I just need to 
go into the city centre. And I remember I went in and the next day, um, on the day of the count, and uh, I went to the RDS. I had uh, a pass, but various people canvas, you know, you can get a pass to go to the count. So I went into the count and there was just way more people than they could possibly need to tally. So all the tallying spots were gone and I hung around for a while just sort of absorbing the atmosphere. Um, and at this point they'd opened enough boxes to know it was a landslide. It was clear it was a landslide from 9.30 in the morning. You know, they opened the boxes at 9am. So that's just, you know, how many yeses we were seeing coming out of the boxes. So there's just this incredible feeling of elation. And I remember going out and um, my friend and I went for breakfast and we were in the cafe and I just remember thinking like, everyone must be thinking about this day, you know, but it was kind of muted. It was only, you know, 10 a.m. <laughs> the news hadn't really started to break yet. Um, but we just kind of felt this incredible, like carnival atmosphere, you know, just even walking around uh, the area around the RDS where everybody's kind of part of it. Um, but then as the day goes on and the momentum started to build and they're starting to call it um, on the news, on Twitter, on, on uh, Facebook, etc. And there's more and more of a sense that like, you know, this has been won. And I just remember going from party to party and you'd run into other people who'd, um, who'd campaigned and it was just this incredible sense of excitement and togetherness. And, you know, people from every kind of political party uh, just hugging each other and, you know, shaking hands. And um, it was just this, this real sense of, of solidarity. And I remember then finally we went, uh, I went to, a, uh, to a, a pub party of people who'd campaigned together. And we have um, the footage from, uh, uh, we have the footage from, um, from the count up on screen and they're announcing it and they call out the numbers. And I remember like uh, David Norris had come in um, to the room and people were going up and congratulating him for a lifetime of work. And it was just one of those moments that, um, that I just felt like, you know, I didn't have to feel ashamed of anything about myself anymore and that Ireland had voted for me. That was Daryl Quinn there with a story that, yeah, just kind of brought back all that energy and that sense of hope and optimism. And the other thing, uh, which was really, really, really amazing, was the power of storytelling, you know? And when people were going up onto the door and asking people for their vote, it was the stories that they were sharing you know, on on the doorsteps that were very powerful and played a big part in helping get the yes vote through. So, an amazing historic chapter from Ireland's more recent past. So, happy Pride, everyone. Uh, we'll be back, the Dublin Story Slam will be back with three more stories inspired by a brand new theme very, very shortly. Uh, but also make sure to check out the DublinStorySlam.com to find out when our next Story Slam is out. And we're over on Instagram at Dublin Story Slam. And you can find beautiful photographs taken of uh, these storytellers featured on our podcasts as well. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. And we'll talk to you on the next episode of the Dublin Story Slam podcast. Thanks. Thank you. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.